At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Napa know-how. Keeping it simple is usually a good thing. And when it comes to rewards programs, keeping it simple is always a good thing. That's why we made the Napa Rewards program effortless. All you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need. Then we automatically give you $5 off your next purchase for every 100 you spend. So start saving today with Napa Rewards. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Blog Talk Radio. Moore gets rid of it. Open. It stills. He's got it. There's a flag down, and he's down. Matt Moore does a great job buying a little bit of time. That's the penalty. But the catch is more important down to the two-yard line. And I question Matt Moore, having not played, what was his gumption like? What showed right there in the face of a blitz? Delivers a perfect ball to get them in scoring position. And Franks for the win. And the Dolphin playoff. Hopes are alive and well. The Dolphins win it at the buzzer. And welcome to Finsider Radio, ladies and gentlemen. I am Matthew Kanata. I'm joined by House and Sutton. And you heard it there, Matt Moore with the pass, deep pass to Kenny Stills to set up the Dolphins for the game-winning kick against Arizona Cardinals on Sunday, winning the game 26-23. to 23. And Matt Moore, in the game, starting in the middle of the third quarter, because Ryan Tannehill knocked in the knee by Calais Campbell. Many feared he had tore his ACL. And here's where we get a little confusing, because Ryan Tannehill actually sprained his ACL, MCL. A sprain is still a tear of the uh, ligament, but it's not a complete tear. We're going to get into more of this in a little bit, but I just want to mention to all of you that on Saturday, we are making history. Aren't we Sutton and Helps? We are. Hell yeah, baby. Big day, all right. baby. <laughs> we're, we're making history, not because the Dolphins are about to go into MetLife and beat the Jets, but we're making history because for the first time ever, the Finsider Radio crew will be together in one place. And not even just in one place, literally within five to seven feet of each other for about eight hours on Saturday. How great is that? My wife uh, last night last night said that we should change our Insider Radio logo to whatever drunken debauchery we get into Saturday <laughs> night. I'm all for so, that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how? So, so House is from Pennsylvania. He's about three hours away from MetLife. 
I'm from yes. Connecticut. I'm about two and a half hours from MetLife. And then Sutton is from Ohio. So, Sutton, how does someone from Ohio make the decision to come all the way to MetLife besides the fact that you're going to see me in house? Well, it was kind of random. And like I told you guys, this was my wife's idea. I shit you not. I get home from work yesterday, and her sister goes to school in Connecticut. So we were trying to figure out a way for somebody to come back with her. Um, They were a little worried about her driving eight hours by herself. So my wife said, oh, man, if only you had something to do kind of over that way that you could go do something and then ride back with her. And I said, well, (laughs) it just so happens that there's this, you know, this Jets-Dolphins game on Saturday night just an hour and a half from where Audrey's staying. So, um, and, and then after that, she started looking at plane tickets, and then here we are, man. Yeah, Amazing. so it's it's going down. And how it's, I know you has to do a little wrangling with your wife, and uh, why don't you tell us about that, how you got to come to MetLife. I mean, basically what I said was uh, the boys inside of radio, they were trying to get together and go to MetLife for the takeover. I told her it was two, hours and, two and a half hours away, and I asked her if she wanted to do it. Tickets were what thirty five, forty bucks, and yeah, kind of hard to pass bucks. that up. So, yeah. In worst case, I just said make this a Christmas present because I'm trying to get them at this game. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna be a good time. And me, you know, I didn't go to Miami this year, so I, I said, you know, hey, we're going to MetLife, and my wife's like, all right, go to MetLife. You know, as long as you got someone to go with, so you don't fall asleep when you're driving home. I'm cool with that. And of course, there's gonna be many other Dolphins groups there too. Dolphins NYC does a big thing. Uh, we're not with them. We're doing our own little thing, but um, it's going to be a fantastic time. We're getting to the stadium early, around 4 o'clock. I am picking up Houts from LaGuardia Airport. I probably shouldn't say that too loud. They're going to jump you at, at the airport, uh, Sutton. Did I say Houts? I'm picking up Sutton at the airport. Uh, we, rented a mini- <laughs> we rented a minivan. There's six of us going up in one car to pick up Sutton, and we're going to throw him in. We're going to throw him in the back. We're going to set up that tailgate. So if you're going to MetLife, uh, tweet us. I'm on Twitter. Sutton is not on Twitter, but Houts is on Twitter, at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. And, of course, myself. Tweet us, and we will tell you to come join us at our tailgate lot in the yellow parking lot. All right? So we are looking forward to the Dolphins winning on Saturday night against the New York Jets and keeping their playoff hopes alive. Just a few before we start getting into the show here. And I'm going to go screen this caller in just a second. Houts, when you saw Ryan Tannehill go down on Sunday, what were your initial reactions? And I want to hear your reactions as well. I mean, I'm not going to lie. As soon as I saw it, I could tell how bad it was. I mean, we've seen Ryan Tannehill take an ass whoop in these last five years. And I mean, he got back up. But but that one just seemed different. And just the way he got hit, like I just I could just tell that something wasn't good. And then. As the game progressed, he came out. He was in street clothes. You could see the tears and the look on his face and the way his teammates reacted. And, I mean, it, it was just heartbreaking. I mean, I teared up a little bit. I think I went downstairs and told my wife what happened, and but I needed a hug. I mean, it was it was devastating. And, I mean, <laughs> as well as Ryan Tannehill's played this year, I mean, we've all had our doubts about Tannehill. Or every now and then he has a bad game. But, I mean, he just played lights out this season. He's really come together. And you could just see the team realizing that their leader just – took a huge blow and I mean with us having one of the better seasons we've had in the last I don't know decade I mean it it was devastating I just kept thinking what why us why does this have to happen now but I mean like like Kanata said earlier I mean it could have been a lot worse his injury and uh God willing maybe he comes back before uh for the playoffs yeah my my initial reactions were I, I I don't know that I fully appreciated the situation until he came back out in street clothes and and saw just his body language and the different players coming up to him. And so that was, that was tough. And especially, you know, the preliminary news that came out was that it was a torn ACL. So we're all worried about how he's going to come into not only the rest of the season, 2017. I mean, there was no guarantee that training camp and preseason was going to go smoothly. So just the fact that it wasn't a complete tear, you know, whether or not we get him the rest of the year, I think just the fact that it wasn't a complete tear 
you know, significantly reduce the uh, rehabilitation time. So I think we all kind of took a collective sigh of relief there, knowing that it wasn't as devastating as we thought. And I'll admit, if we can if we can get to week 17 and maybe into the playoffs and possibly get Tannehill to return, I mean, that's a pretty delicious scenario for me. Yeah, and listen, Tannehill, regardless of whether he plays or not this season, he is going to have the entire offseason to um, be ready. And when you hit the spring uh, camps and, and the um, offseason activities with the team all together, he's going to be able to participate, and that is huge. And more importantly, when training camp opens, he is going to be ready to go and getting into the second year of Adam Gase's offense, which is huge and highly uh, – undervalued and underrated in terms of how important it is to the success of a team from year to year. Now the Dolphins today signed TJ Yates to back up Matt Moore. It's a little interesting uh, decision there because of the fact that he really has no prior experience with Adam Gase, no prior experience with Clyde Christensen, but he does have playoff experience with the Houston Texans actually, actually won a game with the Houston Texans in the playoffs and is one, uh, not one and oh, but, he does have a winning uh, record as a starter as well. So I'm sure they looked at that experience, you know, looking ahead, if, if we need someone to be in the playoffs, Brandon Doughty obviously is not that guy in terms of playoff experience. So we'll see how that goes. But I think Matt Moore, I have complete trust and faith in Matt Moore to get the job done. And I do believe he can lead the team to the playoffs. I, he is a gunslinger, and that actually fits towards Adam Gase's philosophy. Now, how your thoughts? Do you think Matt Moore can do it and lead the Dolphins to the promised land? Uh, I, I do. I mean, as far as if, if this team was built to make it to the Super Bowl or make their uh, make their mark in the playoffs, I think uh, the drop off between the two isn't isn't that severe. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is more of a playmaker with his legs, but I mean, after the game on Sunday, I, I was pretty down, and I I think I said the season's over, but that was just uh, the alcohol talking. Uh, after thinking it over, Matt Moore, like you said, he's a gunslinger. He's been here before. He, he's had success. I mean, he went 6-6 six and six with Miami back in 2011, put up relatively decent numbers. And, I mean, he, he's a veteran. And there's a reason the Dolphins have continued to sign him throughout these last few seasons. And there's a reason that the team feels comfortable moving forward with him as far as his leadership and, and what he can do with this offense. And, I mean, think about – a more clear-cut case of when you need a backup quarterback to step up for your team. I don't think there's a better scenario than what we're facing this year. We basically need them to win two out of three games. There's an argument out there that we need to win all three, and I agree it would be nice to win all three, but I think there's still some margin for error with us. And so to go two and one in those last three games, I think we still put ourselves in a pretty good spot to make the playoffs. So, you got to see what what Matt Moore can do in these last three games, and that's why you sign a backup quarterback like this to see what he can do. And the way that this schedule has unfolded, it's been kind of ironic. You know, when you look at this schedule at the beginning of the year, you're looking at these last three games like crap. I mean, we have to go to New York and Buffalo and then come back and play the Patriots. Well, you know, the way the season's unfolding, the Jets are, you know, we're going to be going against Bryce Petty. And then the next week we have, you know, that's that's a pretty volatile game in my opinion, that Buffalo game, because I can see it going two drastically different ways. I can see Buffalo kind of succumbing to all the the circus around there with Tyrod Taylor and Rex Ryan and all the questions going on. And then at the same time, I can see the players playing for Rex Ryan like they've done before and going for every fourth down and, doing fake field goals and punts and doing trick plays and just pulling everything out of their ass that they possibly can to make sure that we don't get to the playoffs. And we've seen that before. So that game kind of scares me. But then you have New England going into week 17 with possibly home field advantage wrapped up. So it's a very interesting last three games that Matt Moore is going into. And considering the Jets' pass defense, I think we – we have a kind of a, um, a nice uh, litmus test here on Saturday to see how he's going to fare in those last two games. If we see, if we see a good product in that life on Saturday night, I feel pretty good about getting into the playoffs. And then depending on Tina Hill's injury, it's, you know, it's anybody's guess. 
Alex, are you there? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying that, you know, Saturday night, if Matt Moore can can do some work, we should have a little bit more confidence going into week 16, week 17, depending on what happens with New England and their possible home field advantage. So I'm thinking that this last three games before the season looked pretty ominous, and now we're sitting here, and I hate to say it just because I'm a jaded Dolphins fan like most other Dolphins fans, but the remaining three games of the schedule doesn't seem quite as a juggernaut as it did at the beginning of the year. So I just need to apologize real quick. I was I was talking <laughs> when you started talking and seeing where health was, and I had no idea I was on mute still. So that is my fault. But what I was saying before you interrupt before you interrupt me while I was talking to myself um, is that Matt Moore I think fits Adam Gase very well. Adam Gase has made no secret since the beginning of the time he took over that he wants to be aggressive and attack down the field every single time. He has gotten frustrated with Ryan Tannehill on many occasions when Tannehill has not attacked downfield and has decided to take the check down. Matt Moore is not going to do that. If Matt Moore thinks he has a good matchup down the field, you know damn well he is going to take that shot down the field. And I think Adam Gates and Matt Moore are going to mesh very well, and I think many people will be surprised with the results that come into play when we see Matt Moore uh, getting into the rhythm of the game. Obviously, he hasn't started the game in four years. There is going to be rust there, absolutely. I mean, if you haven't done something in four years, there's going to be rust, right? He doesn't have a full week of practice to get in. He just had a child on Monday, so congratulations to him and his wife and his chil- and his other nice. children. Yeah, so you know, obviously motivation. not to have a full, full week of preparation. But I think the Dolphins will continue to rely on the running game, get Jay Ajayi going, rely on the short passes to keep the rhythm going. But you better believe if that matchup is there, Matt Moore is going to take that shot down the field. And if you look at the play when he had Kenny Stills deep on the game-winning uh, drive, that dude, Matt Moore, was getting destroyed as he threw the ball. He got thrown right back, and he had he threw up a nice pass. Obviously, a little underthrown, but I think that helped the situation because Kenny Stills had the whereabouts to stop and come back and make that catch. So I, I'm really excited to see Matt Moore. I am really excited to see Matt Moore. Well, and I think uh, they I, blitzed like I think they blitzed eight guys on that play. I mean, they brought the entire house. So for him to just have the presence of mind to just get the ball down the field with that many people blitzing him. I thought that was a good kind of spur of the moment decision-making thing. That's the, that's the thing I'm worried about Matt Moore going forward is he hasn't been in those games. So he hasn't had to make those pressure decisions yet. So I think that was really comforting to see him make a play like that. Yeah. And the thing is with, with Matt Moore is he has good instincts at the line of scrimmage. He's not going to run the ball. No one is going to be worried about putting a spy on him. No one's going to be worried about the read option. But what he's going to be doing is keeping defenses honest because they're going to have to play that downfield pass. Whereas people knew that Ryan Tannehill, 80, 85, 90% of the time, was going to take that short, medium pass and play it safe. Matt Moore is going to take chances. Now, I'm not sitting here trying to compare Matt Moore to Ryan Tannehill and say Matt Moore is better than Ryan Tannehill. What I'm trying to say is they both bring different things to the table. Whereas defenses had to worry about Ryan Tannehill running with the football, defenses are not going to have to worry about Matt Moore running with the football. Whereas defenses didn't really have to worry too much about Ryan Tannehill throwing that deep bomb too many times per game, although he has increased it quite a bit over the last few weeks because of Adam Gase's willingness to be aggressive and wanting to be aggressive and so forth, Matt Moore is going to come with that right off the bat. I actually wouldn't be surprised to see the Dolphins throw a deep bomb the first play of the game on Saturday. Uh, chances are they won't, but I would not be surprised to let the Jets defense know, hey, we're not afraid to take shots no matter who our quarterback is, and you better play as honest throughout the entire game. Um, but we will see. And guess what, guys? All three of us will be there sitting together watching this game. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait, I can't wait to hear you gonna yell be amazing. quarterback live in person. Yeah, That's it's going to be quarterback. Great. Especially after four That's hours. my quarterback! especially of four hours of drinking. All right, let's get to our live fan interaction. What do we have going on on the live thread right now? I know we got 42 comments in there. All right. E. Bickley asked, any news on the status of Xavier Howard? Will we see him back in action this week? I hope so. Any word on Kiko Alonso? So Kiko, the thing with Kiko, his not his thumb. He could have played with his thumb injury. It was his hamstring that was bothering him, and – 
with the hamstring, obviously everyone knows what a pain in the butt that is. But Tico Alonso, I think we'll be seeing him against the Jets, which will be obviously a big lift for the Dolphins and Xavier Howard. He has been practicing. He couldn't go on Sunday because he didn't feel comfortable enough. Maybe he'll feel comfortable enough on Saturday. Uh, the Dolphins' defense in the secondary is doing pretty good, but Xavier Howard is a very physical cornerback, and against the Jets receivers, they can certainly use him. Next question. All right, so we did have, and I just have to say this name over the air just because I'm me, but the person's name is Mike Hawk, (laughs) M-I-K-E-H-A-F-N-K. Oh, my God. (laughs) So Mike Hawk asked uh, about a scouting report on our new starting quarterback strengths, weaknesses, and if Wygase's offense is well-suited to Matt Moore's style. And MC Money, I think you pretty much touched on on all that, I think I uh, what we did, can yes. expect to see on Saturday is seeing Gates try to get him into the flow a little bit early yep. um, just to get kind of into the flow of the game. And then I think he's going to let Matt Moore be Matt Moore. And um, if we can establish Jay Ajayi, then I think that opens up play action. And I think that's where we could see some big plays from Matt Moore is in the play action pass game, throwing the ball down the field to Kenny Stills or Devontae Parker or maybe even Jarvis Landry. But that seems to kind of suit Matt Moore's strengths. Um, Daytona Dolphin had asked about, uh, you know, kind of just staying with the whole quarterback theme. How scary is it that, if Matt Moore goes down, that a quarterback with four days to learn the playbook could be running our offense. And he kind of followed that up with, you know, what does that say about Brandon Dowdy? So I was going to mm. throw this to you, House. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it, it would be a little alarming if something were to happen to Matt Moore that we'd have to rely on T.J. Yates this early. As far as what it means for Brandon Dowdy, I mean, I think when he was drafted, he was brought in to be sort of a project for Adam Gase. I mean, he has the skills – but he needs some fine-tuning in order to become a competent NFL backup. So, I mean, I really don't see it as a knock on Brandon Dowdy. He's young. They brought in a veteran to kind of back up Matt Moore. Uh, but, God, if something happens to Matt Moore, I think I think at that point then we can pretty much call the season uh, over because that, that would be devastating if uh, T.J. Yates came in after, like like he said, four four days' worth of uh, – That would be – Yeah, yeah I, wouldn't be, read, I wouldn't read too much into it either just because – like you said, Dowdy's a developmental prospect. At this exactly. point in the season, we're just looking for the best game manager at this point, and it seems apparent that TJ Yates would be a little bit better in a game managing uh, aspect than Brandon Dowdy would be at this point. Yeah, and I also think I saw that didn't the Cardinals block or call up Zach Dysert, the quarterback that was with the Dolphins earlier in the preseason? I thought I read that somewhere that they brought him up uh, preventing the Dolphins from maybe poaching him off their practice squad. They did. So they I, did I promote him. That was... Yeah. Yeah. They did promote him, so that means that someone tried to poach him. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, yeah, like you said, if it was the Dolphins. Yeah, that'd make a lot more sense than T.J. Yates at this point. I mean, that's probably the guy he, they wanted. And, I mean, Arizona. Uh, Bruce Arians yep. seems a little pissed off, so maybe that's why he went about and did all that. <laughs> yeah, he was crying. <laughs> he was pissed <laughs> off about Raingate. Yeah, Rain, that guy's a little crazy. He was just crying he about said, an extra uh, point, something with the calling out the snaps or something, and uh, it's just crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that too. He said that uh, it was raining a lot harder whenever the Cardinals had the ball, like the Dolphins can control the weather. And then he said a little while ago on Sirius XM radio that the Dolphins were illegally yelling out the snap count when the, uh, on the blocked, ex, uh, blocked field, blocked extra point. So, yeah, he was, he was a little upset with the Dolphins and trying to make excuses, but whatever. Well, you correct know, me what? if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that missed extra point a result of a poor snap? I mean, how do our voices – yeah, it a you know, a snap from center to placeholder. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. All right, what else we got on the live thread? Uh, here's one from Coach K, uh, 13. Do you think Matt Moore will be back next year? I thought this was his last year on contract. Matt, you want to answer that? Yeah, um, I think we'll have to see how the end of the season plays out. If uh, Matt Moore leads the Dolphins to the playoffs, I think absolutely he comes back. If he bombs and fails, I think the Dolphins may consider moving on and uh, getting in their next wave of the backup quarterback of the future. But who knows? Uh, Matt Moore and Ryan Tannehill have a very good relationship. 
So even if Matt Moore does not lead the team to the playoffs, there is still a possibility he comes back. I know this doesn't really answer the question, but I would say right now I think the chances of him coming back are more likely yes than no um, at this time. Anything else on a live thread? I think we're all called up um, now. I, I have one. I have one question. I should probably throw to Hout: Sticky Icky or Purple Haze? That's from Daytona <laughs> Dolphin. Uh, both. both Purple Haze. Both. I'll answer yeah, both. both of us. Both. Yeah, little, little of both. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Let's go. We will come back to Twitter at at the next time time around. Let's now go ahead uh, talk about the Cardinals game for a quick second about the rain. We mentioned the rain that Bruce Arians was talking about. I mean, that was one of the sloppiest games on both sides with between all the turnovers that were going on. Uh, it really came down to which team made the fewest mistakes. And that would have, would be the dolphins. And, and, saw, and as you were watching the game, when you just saw the turnover after turnover, after turnover, after turnover, there was one point where the dolphins turned the ball over with that dual reception thing. And the, they re- ruled it for the Cardinals for the interception and then literally the very next play, David Johnson fumbles the ball and the Dolphins recover. What were you thinking, Sutton, as you uh, as you were watching all that go down? Man, it was just kind of silly. I mean, I, I remember watching, man, it must have been 10 years ago when uh, Pittsburgh and Miami played in a torrential downpour. And I think the final score of the game was 3 to nothing, maybe 6-3 to three tops. Um, but just watching one of those just helter-skelter every, you know, Murphy's Law for both teams sort of games is kind of just funny to to watch. But in our defense, I don't think that fumbled snap, um, which I believe was our second turnover of the game, the one that Jay Ajayi recovered but said that he didn't somehow. Um I thought that swayed things a little bit. I thought we could have punched him in the mouth a little bit earlier and got yeah, that was to a weird one, bigger huh? lead than we did. But, yeah, what do you guys think about that play? That was weird because it clearly showed he had recovery when he had recovery of the ball and then they touched him and then that, that's it. I mean, that's, that's the end of the play. I don't know how he lost that. These, how these, referees, were, these referees were absolutely the absolute worst on Sunday. Yeah, and just watching Ajayi's body language after that play happened, like he wasn't giving up bitching to the referee about it, you know. Usually no. if you know, if a player knows he's just campaigning to campaign, they'll give it up. But he wasn't giving it up. I mean, he was legit pissed off that that was the ruling on the field. So that's what made me feel pretty confident that he recovered it and it just something happened at the bottom of the pile or – there are just too many Cardinal players in there with them, and they are able to weasel the ball out there. But, yeah, just all those turnovers going back and forth, it was, it was kind of, um, wow. I mean, to see the the Mike Hall interception to start off the game, and then we turned that into points, it was like, oh, my God, when was the last time this happened? Like, yeah. we actually got off to an early lead. So, yep. It was on. It might have been that sway of the game, just right there, getting that hall interception and then turning that into points and getting out to a seven nothing lead after having kicked off. You know that was a, a pretty critical juncture of the game. We we didn't know it at the time because it was so early, and we didn't know about all the eventual turnovers that would happen. But um, that was a absolutely crucial part of the game right there. Yeah, and we we talked about all the all the mistakes that happened and Jay Ajayi with the fumble. But one thing that really concerned me, and I'm still not sure why because I didn't hear of any injury, but Jay Ajayi was not the running back on the last drive of the game. And how it says you were watching that, um, were you thinking, well, where's where's Ajayi? Is it what what's going on with him? Can he not handle the football in the rain? Were they worried about him fumbling? Um, do you have any information on why he wasn't in the game on the last drive? Uh, I, I have no idea why I was in in on that last drive. I mean, I, I felt the same way you did. I don't know if it's because I had him in a few fantasy leagues where I wanted him to get in the end zone or it's just because I'm, I'm a huge J.H.I. fan. But, I mean, for me, just to see him uh, out of the game in one of the most crucial spots, I mean, it was alarming. I don't know if maybe they, they thought uh, Damian Williams was better at maybe pass protection or more of a threat in, in the passing game or, or what it was. But, I mean, it was definitely alarming. And then towards the – once Miami got down after that Kenny Stills pass, I mean, Damian Williams, I, I think he 
he took a run to the left side, and then the next play he was just dancing around, and he almost didn't get down for that field goal. Yeah, was, what was, was up with breaking that? Breaking the hell out, yeah. Ooh. And, I mean, yeah, I just kept close. thinking, like, if, if if a guy was in there, I mean, I, I don't know if Gates wanted to score there. I think maybe he was content with that field goal just to, to make sure nothing else happened. But, I mean, I, I kind of thought J.H.I. could have pounded that ball in there at the goal line. But, I mean, it is what it is. I, I'm not sure why he wasn't in the game at that time, but I, I'm very intrigued to see what happens this week just to make sure it is an injury or, or perhaps maybe he's back in Gates' doghouse for, for one reason or the other. But, but yeah, Damian Williams, I mean, he made some plays, and maybe that's what Gates saw, but we'll see. And you mentioned Kenny Stills there, too, after that long catch, and he had a huge game. Uh, Kenny Stills with a deep touchdown pass to begin the game uh, in the very early on with Ryan Tannehill throwing an absolute gem to him. Kenny Stills has really been coming a legitimate deep threat for the Miami Dolphins, and his contract is coming up at the end of the year. But I think the Dolphins do plan to bring it back because Adam Gates, as we know, is very impressed with him. Uh, Oh, jeez. Did you guys hear that? No. Was that your daughter? No, that was something on NFL.com playing in the background. Um, you know, they, they play those stupid ads that play automatically, and you have yeah. no control over it. Yeah, I hate that. I stuff. thought it was your daughter, too, so it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, not my daughter. Uh, so, so Kenny Stills, I'm just trying to look up the stats here of exactly what he had. He was – Six catches for 97 yards. Believe it or not, he was not the leading receiver on the team on Sunday. That was Jarvis Landry with four receptions, 103 yards. But Kenny still is 97 yards, 16.2 average yards per reception, one touchdown along of 29 yards, and seven targets on the day, which was the leading uh, receiver for the day in terms of targets. Now, Sutton, do you think Miami should bring Kenny Stills back? in 2017 and beyond. He'll probably command about six to seven million per year. I mean, this is, this is one of the most important off season questions. I think the Dolphins have to answer other than what do we do with Mike Pouncey? Um, I think the reason that this decision is so hard is because you can see it kind of playing out different ways. Like he said, are we going to be in a position to pay, a third or fourth wide receiver, $7 million. So you have to think of that because we've already invested in Leontay Carew. On the other hand, you have to also acknowledge the fact that Devontae Parker has not stayed healthy throughout his career. So if that trend stays true, do you want a wide receiver combination of Jarvis Landry, Leontay Carew, and Jakeem Grant at this point? I, I, I don't know. I don't think I would like that. So, and then, yeah, so, you know, with when you consider Parker's injuries, this makes it a very tricky, very tricky decision to make. I'm leaning towards staying with him and hoping that he gives us not a hometown discount, but just kind of a, okay, I feel comfortable here. I know I'm going to grow in this offense. I'm now going to put up better stats. Maybe I sign like a two-year contract at market value, hoping that, you know, I'm still young enough to cash in again. So I'm hoping he goes that route. But I think this decision is going to ultimately lay with Kenny Stills and what he wants to do because I think he's going to be able to play uh, the free agent market if he wants to. It just all depends on – how, you know, chemistry-wise, how is he feeling with this entire offense? I tend to think that he, like you said earlier, I think he's growing in this offense, and I, I, I would hope that he acknowledges that and knows that he will continue to get better production in this offense and end and, up and signing with us. So Kenny Sills is just one guy who's making a huge impact over the last several weeks. Another guy who made a big impact on Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals was Mike Hole. And he was filling in for the injured Kiko Alonso. Mike Hole had eight total tackles, uh, two solo, six assists, was the tie for the leading tackler on the team. Of course, that uh, key interception in the first drive of the game, the first defensive drive. Houts, when you saw Mike Hole running from sideline to sideline, uh, always near the ball, always playing hard, what were your thoughts of Mike Hole? And do you think he is a future starter for the Miami Dolphins? Uh, my first impressions of Mike Hall is where the hell has he been all year? Because, I mean, right. the Dolphins have severely lacked at, at linebacker. They they need to help there pretty much 
I mean, I guess you could say all season long. I mean, Jelani Jenkins, he's, he is what he is at this point. I, I think Miami might move on from him this off season. So, I mean, you got a guy like Mike Hall just comes right in with uh, Kiko's injury. And, I mean, like you said, he was everywhere. He was a bullet, running back and forth, just making tackles, always seemed to be around the football. He's got that look to him like he's like an old-school linebacker, everything that you would have. He's a gym almost like a Yeah, exactly. Almost got that, like, Zach Thomas look to him. I mean, he makes that play with that interception. He's really stood out these last few weeks. And for me, I mean, linebacker's a huge area of weakness. I Heading into the draft, that'd probably be my number one spot to look at. I mean, assuming that you don't bring Mike Hall back or, or put him into that starting spot. So, I mean, I think Mike Hall alongside Kiko Alonso, maybe bringing another guy. I definitely think he has what it takes to be a starter in the NFL, and I think he's shown that these last few weeks. I do like Mike Hall a lot, and I, I am interested to see him more. I, even if Kiko played on Saturday, I hope they do find a way to get Mike Hall in the game and get him on the field because I think he does have something to prove. And Mike Hall and Kiko Alonso and a whole linebacker position are key to the defense really turning it around. And looks like the defense is finally getting back on track. Uh, I guess not. I can't really say finally, but in a way I could because against the 49ers, they, they were dreadful. The offense kept them in the game and won the game for them against the Ravens, obviously. Uh, it looks like a middle school team out there when they're trying to defend the pass and the run. It was just an absolute disgrace against the Baltimore Ravens the prior week. But against the uh, Arizona Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals got 125 yards passing through the air. They had 175 rushing yards between David Johnson with 80, J.J. Nelson with 56 to receive around the, on the sweep and the reverse, Kerwin Williams with 34 uh, yards rushing on three carries, and Carson Palmer with five yards. So I guess you could look at it in terms of, well, you know, they, they let up a lot of yards on the ground. But the Dolphins' defense as a whole played very well. Uh, two interceptions that they had on the day and just a whole slew of uh, other turnovers that they were able to pull together and, and keep the Cardinals off the field um, and get the ball back for the Miami Dolphins' offense. And I think as we keep on going, Vance Joseph has done a wonderful job with this defense. The defensive line really came to play against the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. 65 total tackles on the day. Uh, Two sacks on the day. Tackles for a loss, they had four. They had seven passes deflected. And here's a number that is never really looked at. Eight quarterback hits. And the Cardinals only had three quarterback hits. As the game goes on, that it plays a huge effect on the, on the opposing quarterback. And the Dolphins' defense, as we know, has no problems with always getting to the quarterback, hurting them, uh, making them feel the pain, and making them worry about where the next hit is coming from. And all of that leads to the playoff race. And the playoff race is on. The easiest path for the Dolphins to the playoffs is this, guys. They win two of the next three. The Broncos lose two of the next three. The good news for the Dolphins is this. They have the Jets on Saturday. They have the Bills the week after. And they have the Patriots the week after that. The Broncos have the Patriots on Sunday. Then they have the Chiefs. Then they have the Raiders. The chances of the Dolphins making the playoffs if they do what they need to do are very high. And I know we've all been down this road before. Back in 2013 with Joe Philbin, the Dolphins had to win two of their last three games uh, to make the playoffs. They controlled their own destiny, didn't have to worry about anybody else. They beat the Patriots with three weeks left to go. They then lost to the Bills and Jets in embarrassing fashion. And that was where we saw Joe Philbin, you know, really started to wonder if he was the man who can lead this team into the playoffs. And then a similar situation happened the year after. House Sutton, what do you think will happen with the playoffs this year? And if the Dolphins don't make the playoffs, is it a successful season We'll start with you, House, then we'll flip it to you, Sutton. Uh, it's hard to say. Like you said, the scenario, it seems like everything might work out in our favor. But you also said, I mean, we've, we've been here before. I I don't want to sit here and say anything, and I, I really don't want to jinx it. I mean, I don't know if that's weird, but I, don't, I just don't want to say the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs and then see it not happen. So, I mean, for me, we have everything going in our favor. I mean, this is the best I felt about this team at this point in the season in probably a decade. I mean, those Joe Feldman teams, they were what they were. He, he is the kind of coach he is, and it just seems so much different here with Adam Gase. I mean, we're going into these last three games. 
And and even if New England doesn't fit their starters week 17, I mean, I, I would feel pretty confident going in there that Miami has every bit of a chance to, to win that game. If the playoffs, I mean, even if the playoffs weren't on the line, they can still hand New England a loss. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really confident with the way the Dolphins are playing right now. Uh, as for whether or not it makes or breaks the season, I mean, heading into the year, we probably all sat here and talked. We probably thought six to nine wins, and, and nine would have been us just being optimistic. So, I mean, right now the Dolphins are eight and five. Adam Gase, I mean, we started out one and four, and what he's done with this team and just the entire culture. I mean, the Dolphins have something good going, and, I mean, I'm as excited as ever about the future of this team. So, I, I don't think it would be a big a big setback if we don't make the playoffs. I mean, I would be a little let down just because, I mean, how awesome would it be to, to make the playoffs in Adam Gase's first season? I mean, even with all the injuries that we've had and just seems to be every every little thing seems to be going our way right now. So, I mean, I don't want to say it would make or break the season, but, I mean, it would definitely be awesome if the Dolphins could make the playoffs. Well, just think what it would do for Adam Gase's legendary status already if he's able to win or, you know, help the Dolphins win two of the last three games with a backup quarterback to get into the playoffs. I mean, what better script can you come up with for a first-year head coach that start off one and four, and then you turn around and get the job done at the end of the year with a backup quarterback? So you would have to feel good despite whatever happens in the playoffs if we do make it there. You have to feel good about the the future trajectory of this franchise under Adam Gase. Um, and then the ultimate question is, and we touched on this at the very beginning of the show, if we get into the playoffs, will Tannehill be there? And if he is, and we're playing, you know, maybe we're playing the Texans or the Titans the very first game of the playoffs. I mean, that's not a team that scares me. So, you know, it's – um. It's a very interesting proposition that we're even talking about this right now. Usually this time of year we're talking about draft prospects. Are we not? Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah it is. I mean, we're talking about the we're talking about the draft right now and you know, and this year we're talking about the nuances of how, you know, playoff tiebreakers and stuff like that. That's a much more intriguing argument for me to get into than it is draft prospects at this point in the year. So just the fact that we're in it and considering how these last three games have shaped out in terms of what the Jets look like right now, what the Bills look like right now, and then what the Patriots might look like week 17, depending on whether they have home field wrapped up. It's a very intriguing last three games of the year, and I'm really looking forward to being in attendance of that first of three with you guys. Yeah, Saturday so, night, man. Am, it's a so huge game, up. and I think we're going to be able we're going to be able to tell so much about how these last three games are going to shake out by seeing how uh, Matt Moore commands the offense. And I've heard when the Dolphins go to MetLife, I've never been there when they played in MetLife, but I've heard it is basically like a Dolphins home game, and I'm really freaking excited to be at this game that has playoff implications. This is the first ever game that I've been to where a game has had playoff implications for the Dolphins. So I am really pumped up. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, let's go back to wait. our live. Yeah, let's go back to our live caller interaction, and let's talk about. Uh, let, let's talk about what we got going on on Twitter. So let me pull up some questions. Guess who? Guess who uh, asked us some questions this week, guys? Bob Caruth. Caruth. All right. Uh, Let's see. Any thoughts on the need of drafting a quarterback sometime in the draft? More or less important now with Tannehill's injury. Uh, I do think the Dolphins may look at drafting a quarterback. I know they're very limited on picks next year. So it all depends on how they are looking at Brandon Doughty's improvement and progression. But that's really not a question or an answer. I fully know. All speculation. Here is another one, and this will be the last one I answer from you, Bob, tonight. How much longer are they going to hold a roster spot for Mike Pouncey? And the thing is with Mike Pouncey, you caught him next year in 2017. You have $5 million in dead money. You, you only save about $3.975 million. So it doesn't really make sense to cut him. I think they keep him around. I think they may try to convince him to move to guard, get in and in the center, because guard, of course, if you go down, it is much more easier to plug someone in than it is the center after the quarterback gets uh, all that chemistry with them. Scooby Dolphins fan asks, 
is Matt Moore in the same situation as Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins, if he wins out and wins a playoff game for a big contract, I don't know, Scooby. Uh, all it takes is one team in the NFL to be desperate for a quarterback. If Matt Moore leads the Dolphins to the playoffs and even gets them a playoff win, I am sure there will be some teams out there who are in a desperate situation who want to take a look at Moore and may offer him a chance to compete for the starting job. But Matt Moore has family here. He has had other offers to go be a starter or compete for a starting job somewhere else, but he has chosen to remain in Miami uh, during that time. We have a live caller that are that is coming in. Uh, welcome to Finsider Radio. Hello. Are you talking to me? <laughs> yes. Welcome to the show, Ryan Winters. How are you? <laughs> it took you a second to figure it out, like very yes. few seconds. So I was somewhat impressed. So, so Ryan Winters am... is one of our our biggest fans at Winters NFL. Uh, he is a huge uh, fan of Finside Radio. He is a huge fan of Matt Canada. And uh, he was supposed to call in a little earlier today at 9.37 p.m. He is a little bit late. So, Ryan, we're going to take a few minutes with you. Give us your thoughts on the overall uh, view of the Dolphins right now. I know you're a very big Tannehill supporter. You're a very big Adam Gase supporter. um, And you defend them both very much so on Twitter. Do you think the Dolphins are going to be able to win with Matt Moore? Well, first things first, I'd like to thank you for putting a bunch of words in my mouth. Only some of them are probably true. Um, I will let the audience figure out. I will let the audience figure out which ones are true and which ones are Matt's own ideas about life. He's full uh, of shit. Everybody knows it. Yeah, we we know he is. I mean, you know, like listen, I, I don't want to come right out and say it, but you know, the truth is self-evident as it is in most cases. Um, as it is in the as it is in the case of the Dolphins, I think Matt Moore kind of comes in at a at what could be a very fortuitous time for his reputation, without necessarily being a very fortuitous time for the Dolphins. Um, you know, he's going to come in. He's going to come in. He's going to play a couple of uh, of teams in in various states of disarray, uh, and then possibly the New England Patriots in a game that they don't care much about. So. Uh, Matt Moore definitely has an opportunity to come in and win some football games and perhaps even uh, ride a JHIA big game against somebody like Indianapolis into the second round of the playoffs. Um, what that means for him as a player going forward in the NFL is I don't think very much. Uh, I think he's very aware of his limitations, as are most of the NFL teams. Well, and I think, you know, it's, it comes back to age. I mean, that's the main difference between Matt Moore and, you know, Matt Flynn when he got that ridiculous contract and the Kirk Cousins situation. I mean, we're talking seven, eight, nine years age difference. So um, well, I think young course. quarterbacks that put together that short, you know, that short interview, so to speak, um, they can get paid off that. Older guys, not so much. Well, and Matt Moore, we have to remember Matt Moore has turned down a couple of opportunities to really go test a free agency market. Um, Matt Moore, I think, knows better than anybody else exactly who Matt Moore is, and he embraces it. Uh, very much part of the whole California vibe to be that kind of self-aware guy who, who understands what his place is. And, you know, in, in this case, I think, I think it kind of worked out really well for the Dolphins because he's a – he is an excellent. He's an excellent breaking case of emergency guy. Uh, he'll come in. He'll be able to identify one-on-one matchups against his wide receivers and put the ball up in places where his wide receivers can make plays. Um, you know, he's gonna he's gonna make more mistakes than Ryan Tannehill will make. Uh, he won't make as many big plays as Ryan Tannehill will make, but he will make plays and he will, has a chance to make enough of them uh, to to win some football games here. Uh, I think just the competition in front of him and the the way things lay out, just kind of really line up well. Yep, agreed. Ryan, um, how's your uh, – I was w- wondering uh, how you felt these upcoming three games at the end of the year play out, and uh, do you think the Dolphins can make a splash in the playoffs this year? Well, again, I think the Dolphins are in a – you know, they're kind of sitting in the catbird seat. Uh, you know, the Jets are a disaster, you know, uh, with very little to play for. Um, Buffalo, you know, week to week, you don't really know what you're going to get, and that's never a good thing to talk about when you're talking about a football team in December. 
uh, especially up against one that has something to play for. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think those two teams are, are definitely susceptible to losing games to the Dolphins um, without the Dolphins necessarily playing good football. And, and I think that's an important thing to remember. Um, you know, the Dolphins are, are, as a team, as a whole, they're still average and slightly above average. Uh, their issue is more a one of depth than it really is not having any top-flight talent. They have plenty of top-flight talent. It's just hard for them to put it all on the field at the same time. And that's an issue. Uh, that being said, like I said, I see Buffalo is, is very as very shaky, and I, I think there's a very good chance that New England comes to the Week 17 in Miami with very little reason to go out and try to do much. Uh, you know, probably give Brady a quarter so he's got some play under his uh, belt because he's going to be sitting out that first week of the bye. They don't want him getting too rusty. You know, maybe play him a half. Uh, but you know, you're not going to see any. You're not going to see any uh, any special formations. You're not going to see him. You know, uh, splitting out splitting out his tackle for whatever reason, or or making you know somehow figuring out a way to make his center eligible by some you know nonce of the rule book. Uh, you're not going to see any of that coming out of Belichick. You know, and that'll give the Dolphins a chance in that game as well. Um, and then you come in, and most likely, if you make the playoffs from there, you're making it as the sixth seed. As the sixth seed, you're going to play the the South uh, champion. That's going to be either Houston or Indy. Uh, if it's Houston, it might be a little bit tougher because they have a they have a solid defense even without JJ Watt. But if it's Indy, Indy is soft uh, in every place. Miami is not, and uh, that is a very good matchup for Miami. And uh, like I said, it, it's it's quite plausible that Matt that Matt Moore could come in here win four games in a row, including a playoff game, and, uh, you know, get bounced out unceremoniously in the second round by a team that has a bit more oomph to it, which will probably be the New England Patriots after losing to Miami in Week 17, which is not, necessar- <laughs> not necessarily the situation you want to be in as a football team. Alex, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, I, I had a question for you. So let's assume, you know, we're Dolphins fans and we can't have nice things. Let's say this implodes at the, you know, at the end of the year and we get in the draft talk. How are you looking at improving this roster overall through the draft? Um, through the draft, you know, I, I don't go, you know, draft crazy. I'm not one to go start breaking down college kids, uh, especially before we get into – into the combine season and really start looking at tape. Sure. You know, there's only so much time in the world, and uh, you know, I, none of us are professionals at this. Maybe just, maybe uh, just big picture. Maybe big picture. Yeah. What kind of positions are you looking at? You know, I think I, I think the Miami Dolphins have a uh, have 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 less of a need at defensive back than I thought they would. Um, you know, really depending on what they see for Xavier Howard going forward. Uh, you know, they they could be in actually much better shape in the secondary than, than we I think anybody would have guessed at the beginning of the year. Uh so that, that kind of moves the moves the moves the goal stick, so to speak, as to as to the big places where the Dolphins need to improve. And uh if you're talking about improvement, you're you're talking about linebacker. If you're talking about investing in the long term health of the team as a whole, you're talking about edge rushers. Uh I think either one will be available wherever the Dolphins draft is a very deep defensive draft. So Early on, I think they should address try to address one of those two positions, um, and then from there on out, I am a big proponent of just take the best player who's available. Doesn't really matter what position he is, and that would include quarterback. And as anybody who follows me on Twitter knows, I think Ryan Tannehill is not just a fine quarterback, but a good to very good guy who can definitely lead you to a championship. Um, so I'm not saying we need to replace him. However. That being said, if the best player on the board is a quarterback, you draft a quarterback, you develop a quarterback, you flip him for something in the future, or, you know, Ryan Tannehill comes out, blows out both of his knees one time because, you know, let's face it, uh, this guy takes a lot of hits. Somehow he did not blow out his knee this time, which, looking at the film, I am still dumbfounded about. Uh, but, you know. As, as, <laughs> well, we as, already kind of talked about the Matt. We already talked about the Matt Flynn effect, what can happen with a young quarterback. Oh yeah, and what they can do with just a, a a few games of game tape to persuade other teams. So, you know, I, I like the young quarterback investment just because, you know, we could still have Tannehill playing at a high level, and then have I mean a rookie for whatever reason come in do something, and then have enormous trade value. I mean, it's, quarterbacks oh. are just such a rare commodity in the NFL. I think you have to take a chance on them if you can. 
think of it like this. I mean, how many first-round draft picks would the Browns give up for Jimmy Garoppolo right now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. right we so, are... I mean. Go ahead. Finish your thought, Ryan. Oh, I was going to be right. So, so, I mean, you know, they're, they're you know, I'm one who's I'm one who's a big fan of value, and uh, you know, you take value where it comes, and you don't you don't you don't pass on it for need. Uh, that's the you know the need is the short term game, and the value is the long term game. And if you look around the NFL, the the winners are the one who who value things as opposed to need things. All right, and that was Ryan Winters, the biggest fan of Finside Radio, and of course, my biggest fan. Uh... Ryan tweets me on a daily basis asking how to be like me and how to, uh, you know, be successful like, like I am and how to make a tweet go viral. Are you going like to be getting a tattoo with there. Ryan's name on your ass anytime soon there and see money? Actually, do Ryan, you already have one? Actually, Ryan has gotten a tattoo of me um, on different oh, parts that's of his so body. that's so precious. All right. All right. <laughs> so do, I, do I get to interject one last time here? One last time, before Ryan, I, yes. Before I disappear off into the ether – as they say, yeah. um, while while I do enjoy Matt, he is a fine, upstanding human being. <laughs> Nothing he says about my opinion of him is true. Um, he's a good dude. He does a good job with what he tries to do, and I appreciate him. <laughs> that being said, um, he deserves every bit of ridicule he gets on Twitter and then some. Uh, if you have not ridiculed Matt yet, please do at Finsider Radio. Uh, just get there. Throw your worst insult you can possibly think of at him. Um, maybe even insult his family. I don't know, but really there are no bounds to which you cannot cross. Uh, and he will probably block you. He won't block me because I have his telephone number, <laughs> but he will probably block you. But you should go for it anyway. That being said, thanks for having me, guys. I will talk to you all soon. All right, Ryan. Take, take it you. easy. That was, thanks, Ryan. That was, that was Ryan Winters. And, of course, like I said, it was him off the air. My biggest fan. All right, guys, let's wrap it up. Let's talk about Saturday real quick. Uh, not really score predictions, but how how do you think the game's going to go? Um, Bryce Petty versus the Dolphins' defense. I mean, that pretty much sums it up right there. I think the Dolphins are going to go in there and take care of business, hopefully for uh, three of us and Cat and your ten cousins or however many you're bringing. I mean, I, I just hope we get to see a good game and, and we get to see Matt Moore just light that defense up and – Hopefully it's just a game that we can all remember, and I'm just excited to be a part of it with you guys, and go Dolphins. Sian, how about you? Well, I I look forward to um, obviously tailgating and all that good stuff, but, you know, just to get to the game itself, I really do think that the Dolphins are going to come out pretty confident in this game. I just got the feeling – after Tannehill went down, that everyone recognized immediately uh, that they need to they needed to not only do their job, but they needed to do it, you know, at a very high level to compensate for Tannehill not being there. So the fact that we're going against Bryce Petty obviously makes this a little bit more of a, a doable task. So I really do think that the Dolphins come out and set the tone, like you said, Matt. This is a uh, an away game, but technically, you know, it's kind of a home game with how many Dolphins fans will likely be there. And I only go to away games, and Dolphins fans travel very well. So I would expect us to come out of the woodworks and be there in abundance Saturday night. So I think it's going to be a great environment for the Dolphins to uh, pull off the victory and keep this playoff hopes alive. It is going to be lit for sure. And uh, one last question. One last question. Lit AF is from uh, Sutton. Question to East Rutherford, New Jersey, or Rutherford, however you say it. Are you ready <laughs> for MC Money, House, and Sutton to temporarily inhabit you? That's what I thought. The answer is no. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the correct answer. New Jersey is not ready for the Finsider Radio crew. MetLife is not ready for the Finsider Radio crew. We're coming at you. We're coming in you. Do not take that the wrong way. And we, <laughs> and we don't are say going that too to much get, around me. I'm about to have four kids. So. We, we are going to get banged up in the parking lot in our minivan that we are driving into the stadium that we are renting 
and it's going to be one hell the of a time. The mystery machine. Yes, thank you for listening to Finside Radio this week. If you are at MetLife, please tweet us at Finside Radio, at Houts. Meet up with us. Uh, We will sign autographs for you all night long. We are in section 307, row 24, row 20, and row 26, and it's going to be one hell of a time. We'll talk to you later on all throughout Twitter and all throughout the live thread tonight. We'll talk to you next Tuesday after the Dolphins hopefully beat the New York Jets. And, of course, if you're there at MetLife, We hope to see you on Saturday. Thanks for listening, and have a great night. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast. My friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. If you listen to podcasts, check it out.